Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... There's going to be people who are going to read into some kind of crazy motivation about what you're doing. And here the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 it's not about the gift. It's about what the gift says about the giver, but here what the benefit will be to the giver. And friend, no matter what it is, when you invest in the work of the Lord, the Lord promises to pay rich dividends. He promises to pay way better than any investment. His is guaranteed 100%. Most everyone, when asked, wants to be generous, but we often fear that we won't have enough to survive. In today's message, Pastor Jim will teach us about a poor church that was rich in generosity. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with his message entitled, Joyful Generosity. The Apostle Paul says here, listen, hey, Philippian church, other churches didn't give, but you did. You didn't have any money. You were poor. You were just starting out. You were new Christians. Nobody said, well, you're new. You don't have to give anything. No, you generously gave. And what I love about this is it's clear when somebody's new and when somebody doesn't have any money, that is giving from the heart. That is nothing else but sheer gratitude. At least I hope it's not guilt. I hope it's gratitude. But this is what I love about the Philippian church and what I think is the apostle's heart here is you gave to people a hundred miles away, which is like us giving to people thousands of miles away. You gave to people that you don't even know. You gave to people because you know you might not even meet them until heaven. You see, that's one of the things, guys, I love about the potential that we have here as a church with the radio station. I just envision people that we will never meet, even though they might live in the next town. We will never meet them, but someday we'll meet them in heaven and they'll say, you know what? I used to listen to your guys' radio station all the time. I thought God forgot me. And then I turned into 107.9 and I realized he didn't forget me. And you know, I kept saying I was gonna visit your church, I was gonna visit your church, but I never did. But man, what a difference you guys Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, made in my life. Serving and loving and giving to people we don't even know. You say, well, how do I get there? How do I get there? I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And you know, interesting, the church in Corinth, they had money. The Corinthian church had money. And the Apostle Paul wouldn't even take their money. He was like, you're a bunch of cheapos. I don't want your money. Keep your money. And so what does he say, the cheapo rich Corinthian church? He tells them about the Macedonian churches, about the church of Philippi, and he gives them what I think is perhaps the biggest key to financial freedom for a Christian. He says this, they gave themselves to the Lord first. You see, that's what it was about for these poor people. They gave themselves, they gave everything of who they were to the Lord. And then he says, they gave themselves to the Lord first, and then they gave to us. See, by giving to the Lord first, giving to other things becomes a joy. And so they were free, they were free. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
You know, those of you in the business world, if you've ever been audited by the IRS, what a pleasurable experience that is, right? Or you know this in the business world, there's an expression that we have. We say this, the checkbook doesn't lie. The checkbook doesn't lie. If you wanna know where the money goes, look at the checkbook. If we wanna know how financially free we are, all we simply need to do is we need to look in our checkbook. And generosity is a big indicator of our spiritual health. Generosity in a church. You know, a lot of missionaries are really hurting for money these days. And when you, and you say, well, that's because, you know, all the little churches probably can't give any money. Most of them will tell you, no, it's the big churches who cut us off. Why? Big churches, big mortgage. And so what do they do? They start cutting all the costs that they can when the giving goes down. And where do they start? They start in places where the people in the church won't see it. So if we cut a missionary off for financial obligations that we can't meet in paying our own bills, paying our rent, paying our utilities, paying our staff, it's easier for us to say, you know what, we're going to cut other missionaries in other parts of the world because you know what, nobody's going to see that. But when we start cutting our own thing, people see that. And that's the way a lot of churches think and a lot of churches operate. We plan to build, I contacted all the missions organizations that we were involved with, all the missionaries. And I said, hey, I want to tell you, we're doing a building program. And there's just silence on the other end. Like, oh, here it comes. Honey, here it comes. <laughs> and I said, and while we're doing this building program, I want you to know we're going to double the amount that we're giving you because we're trusting God to raise all the money for this addition to our church that we're gonna pay in cash. So we're gonna say to the Lord, we're gonna be more generous with our missionaries and trust God to raise the cash to do this. And by God's grace, every addition we've done, we've done three building projects and we have paid cash for every single one. And you mark my word, we will pay cash for that radio station because I believe that God wants it built and I don't care what it takes. We will do it. We will do it because I believe that God chose us from all the other applicants that we were gonna be the people to do it. And so we have to call our missionaries and say, we're building a radio station. Good news for you, right? We're gonna increase the money that we're gonna give you. We're gonna take a step of faith and we're gonna say to God, right, you're gonna do this. It's a big indicator of the spiritual health of a church that they are a generous people. But there's a real downside to it, friends. If you don't give money, it's a real indicator to you that your soul is in trouble. No matter how little or how much you might have. And here's one thing I've learned from all the years of being in the ministry. When someone stops giving money to the Lord's work, it's usually three to six months before they're out of following the Lord. Because what happens? Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart also. When your treasure begins to be all for yourself, it's an indicator that your heart is all for you. I just want to share for a couple moments just some personal notes of gratitude and thankfulness to this church for the generosity of so many of you. But I want to tell you this. I am with the Apostle Paul here. It's not your money. It's your partnership. It's your fellowship. It's the fact that together we are shouldering the costs of the ministry here and we are help shouldering the costs of so many other people uh, throughout the world as they are taking the gospel to people. 
Also, your consistent generosity is a reminder to me that God is in this thing we call Calvary Chapel Mars Hills. And that most or some or all of you, I hope, are in it too. Remember Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 said that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Your joyful generosity is a sign to me that God is at work. It is a sign to me that God is faithful to do what he said. That's why I have to give because I am blessed by you, right? And I pray that you are blessed by the work that God is doing here but really pay attention to what's at the beginning of verse 14. Some of you, this is so far from your thinking. This is so far from my thinking. I really needed this one concept. And if you don't get it, God's gonna do it more than once in this message. He says right here at the beginning of verse 14, he says, you have done well. You have done well. And this is a whole series of messages by itself. So don't worry, I'm not gonna do it, right? But so many Christians think they can only be displeasing to God. I just don't get that. This is one of those things that I'm at pains with God about. Just like, God, I'm explaining this week after week after week. And it just doesn't seem like people are getting it. See, there's a whole group of the church that says, you know, you can't be displeasing to God. And my answer to that is you have to throw out the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation where the risen Christ is explaining his displeasure with some of the churches, but he's also explaining his pleasure to others. I think that some of us think that God can never be satisfied. And what does he say to a bunch of poor people here who gave a little bit of money? He says, you have done well. You have done well. Remember the widow's might? Oh, the Pharisees coming up. Oh, look at my money. Look, hey, everybody want to see? You know, up. move the thermometer on the wall. I'm here, right, with my donation. And Jesus is like, oh, that stinks. And then some widow comes up and puts a couple pennies in. And he just grabs the apostles. And he goes, did you see that? It's like heaven stopped for a minute. Did you see that? And so here he says, you have done well. Remember when the Bible speaks, God speaks. That means the smile of heaven is upon these people. And listen, I want that for everyone in this church. I want the smile of heaven upon every person in this church. I want for all of us the fellowship of generosity. Number two, the fruit of generosity, the fruit of generosity. Now, some of us have trees or been picked up, you go apple picking or something like that, and you look at an apple on the tree and you think, oh, that looks good, and you turn it around, and you feel that's all bruised and full of worms, and you're like, oh, that's bad fruit, that's bad fruit. Or the fruit that's on the ground, you're like, you're telling the kids, you're like, don't eat that, that's bad, that's bad. Or sometimes you go to the, down the grocery aisle and you're like, oh, that fruit looks so good. You pick it up, you know, they put that mist on it and the special lighting that they do. I know, I used to sell that lighting when I was in college, okay? And they put the special lighting on it and stuff like that. You pick up the fruit and you look on the other side, you're like, eh, I'm not eating this. This is not so good. So there's good fruit and there's bad fruit. And again, here we notice God's incredible accounting. A lot of people say all the time, well, the church is not a business. I understand what they're saying. There's a business aspect to it, but it's amazing how often the Bible uses a business language in it and talks about it. And so here we see God's incredible accounting and the apostle tells us why he's thankful for their gift. 
verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift. So what's he saying there? Listen, I'm not trying to get something from you. It's not like I need it. He's like, I know. He's gonna tell us in a bit. I know God's gonna provide for all my need. It's not that I need it. And certainly God doesn't need our money. Do you know that, friend? I mean, God does not. That's almost laughable that God would need our money. You ever see those ministries, they get on TV and they're like, oh, if you don't mail in money today, this ministry is going to close. I'm like, tank that sucker, man. You got to get out of there, man. If God wants it to close, let it close, right? That's okay. But God doesn't need our money. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He says, I'm looking for not what you gave me, but what God gives you. See, I think a lot of us forget that we think, oh, I gave a gift for those people. God says, no, 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 no. When you give, it's more for you, the giver, than it is for the people you gave it to. Now, we know the Apostle Paul had opponents. Just read the Bible. They're always accusing him of impure motives. Why? Because their hearts were impure. Their hearts were impure. So if somebody collects, we're going to take a collection for the Apostle Paul. We send him the money. If he takes it, what is he? He's greedy. He's greedy. If he doesn't take it, what is he? He's ungrateful. What false humility. We get that here. I mean, people, we don't receive the offering. We have the boxes in the back. People come to me and they go, Pastor, just one, one comment on the service. I'm like, only one. I had about 80. Right? Only one on the service. And they go, they go, you forgot to pass the plate. You forgot to receive the offering. And I go, yeah, you know, we just don't do that here. It's fine. We just, you know, I just kind of believe that I, want, I don't want people to feel that the pressure to give the money. And, and God's people just give. They just do. They know it's part of what you do as a Christian. We'll talk about in a second that it's worship. And they just give. So we have a box in the back. And you know, if people want to put in, we actually get more money in the mail and online than we do in the box after every Sunday. But I'm like, that's what they want to do. And then you, th- you think some people would be like, oh, I get that. They're like, oh, so let me get this straight. So you don't pass the plate so people give more money money. I'm like, well, if that's the way you want to think about it, good for you. But you know, no matter what you do, there's going to be people who are going to read into some kind of crazy motivation about what you're doing. And here the apostle Paul says, no, no, no. It's not about the gift. It's about what the gift says about the giver, but here what the benefit will be to the giver. And friend, no matter what it is, when you invest in the work of the Lord, the Lord promises to pay rich dividends. He promises to pay way better than any investment. His is guaranteed 100%. You know, when the guys tell you, I'm going to save you a lot of money right here. When guys here come tell you, I have a proven formula to beat the stock market, run for the hills, watch your wallet, right? That's called a pickpocket. That's what they're going to do. When God says I can beat the market, you can bank on it. You can bank on it. That's why Jesus said, don't lay up treasure on earth, right? Lay it up in heaven. Send it ahead. Make the best investment you possibly could. There's a verse that kind of is around here. It's hanging up in some of our different hallways and some of the emails that we send out to some of the people that are serving. And it's Hebrews 6.10. And it says this, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, okay? The love you're showing towards God in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That God's not gonna forget the help that you gave to other Christians. And so sometimes I think we think that the little that we do doesn't really matter. And so the writer to the Hebrews says, no, not, not only does God see it, but he's promised not to forget it. 
So the apostle is excited for them, not for himself, perhaps because he realizes that generosity helps us to be content and that God has promised to reward it. Now, I know this. Our country has been in this kind of funky economy for quite a while, and maybe you don't have very much right now. Maybe you're like, there's just not a lot of fruit on the tree. (laughs) There's just not a lot. But the Lord says here, if you invest in my kingdom, I'm going to fill it with fruit. It might not look the way you want it to look. It might not be exactly the way you want it to see. But when you get to heaven, you're going to know that you made an investment that paid off. You see, the money that we spend here is gone, right? It's just gone. We need storage places for our junk. People have those storage places all over the place. And if you haven't been to your storage place in four years, you don't need that stuff. (laughs) You don't need that stuff. But though the money we spend here is gone, when we invest in the kingdom of God, we will see that money again. And we'll see it with a tremendous return. And that's the fruit of generosity. Number three, the fragrance of generosity. The fragrance of generosity. Verse 18, he says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. He's saying, listen, I got enough. I'm doing great. Having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you. That's the gift that they sent. Now look at this, what he says next about their gift. Remember, these are poor people sending a gift. He says, This is Old Testament language. He says, a sweet-smelling aroma. That's what God said about the Old Testament sacrifices. And a lot of times we think in the Old Testament sacrifices, we know they're pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they also had a lot to do with the heart and the faith of the person who made the sacrifice. He says, a sweet-smelling aroma. Some of your versions say a fragrant offering, an acceptable, look at this word, sacrifice, And now look at what he says here again. Well-pleasing to God. Well-pleasing to God. So here the apostle Paul, using Old Testament language to express something that we all need to see, that giving is worship. That giving is worship. Now here's where it gets a little dicey and tricky for a lot of us here, is that the word used here is sacrifice. Is our giving a sacrifice? Do I drive a different car because I give? Maybe do I live in a different house? Maybe do I not take as an extravagant vacation? Is there at some point in time where my giving, I sense the pinch a little bit? Is it costly to me? And it's not just money, it's any sacrificial thing we do with the right heart. Anything we do for Jesus Christ, anything that will further the cause of Christ, the Bible says that's worship. That's worship. But notice here again, he says, it's well-pleasing to God. How important to see that God takes pleasure in our generosity. We have an expression we use, right? It's the thought that counts, right? You know, then we're Americans. We're like, not really. (laughs) But to God, it does. He doesn't need anything we can offer him. It's the thought that counts. And how important to see that as Christians, our sacrifice 
is so deeply entwined with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Ephesians chapter five, verse two, the apostle Paul says this, he commands us all and to walk in love. And then he says this, as Christ, and we know we're not Christ, right? As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Friend, do you realize, Christian friend, do you realize there is no higher praise that could be given to you and to me than to have the same language that God uses about Jesus be the same language that's used about us. That God says, just as my son was a sweet smelling sacrifice, the apostle Paul says the same thing is connected to our generosity. Now we can't do what Jesus did We're not God, we can't become a man. We can't live a perfect life. We can't die on the cross as a substitute for sinners, raise ourselves from the dead, ascend into heaven and seat at the right hand of God. But we saw in chapter two that Jesus' humility can be imitated by us. Jesus' life of generosity can be imitated by us. His attitude and motivation to please his heavenly father can become our pattern or way of living. It's part of our sanctification, which is our part of for a Christian becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse one, very popular verse. The apostle writes to the Romans, I beseech you, he's imploring with them. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, the sacrifices that they made in the Old Testament were pictures of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make on the cross. Faulty sacrifices, not up for the task, right? Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. But our sacrifices are looking backwards. They're pictures of what Jesus did on the cross. We sacrifice because he sacrificed. But until we see his sacrifice for us, we will never sacrifice for him. Until we see his generosity, we will never be generous. Until we see his joy in serving others, we will never have joy in serving others. See, it's not until we see what God has done for us that we have any real motivation to serve him. And sadly, So many Christians fail to recognize how far the Lord has brought them. If it was just he was taking me to heaven, that would be enough. And to actually see that your life, Christian friend, might actually be pleasing to God. Do you think God is that harsh that he could never be happy with anything that you would do? Do you think that God just walks around all day saying like, oh, you, wrong thing you did, gotta get you. That's not a good father. That's not a good father by any stretch of the imagination. See, a true biblically balanced view of God realizes that he has a displeasure when we flagrantly sin, right? The Bible says he chastens those who he loves, but at the same time, we realize that when we are out there giving our best shot at it with a pure heart as we can possibly have, that God is pleased, that the smile of heaven is upon us. And a lot of it is gonna be largely unseen. Largely unseen. There are people in the children's ministry who've been working like crazy all week long to get a lesson ready for some of your children. God is pleased 
nobody else knows. I'll see somebody, how did church go today with the kids? Like, they're all brats, right? But still, God can be pleased. I think sometimes we just have this wrong American attitude of what is successful, and we totally lose the message of Christianity in the process. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.